1: Lob Talk Radio.
0: Welcome to Dream Elite Radio with your host, David Potter. David Potter! This is David Potter! David Potter!
1: everybody doing tonight welcome to the first edition of dream elite radio podcast uh my name is david potter if you couldn't hear from the great intro that my friend rich did thank you very much by the way for doing that that was really cool um yeah this is my first our first edition of dream elite radio and i'm very very excited because today we have our special guest coming in and one of my favorite fighters growing up too by the way he before i let him on the air I just want to tell everybody that he is one of the legends and one of the people that was revolutionary when he came to the sport. He was one of the original guys. He is a UFC strike force pride veteran. He's a former WFA welterweight champion, icon middleweight champion. He beat Jason Mayhem Miller, who we all know. Uh MMA legend and again, I can't I can't say enough, one of my all time favorite fighters Ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you Frank Trigg. Frank, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Thanks for the intro too. That was great.
1: Uh yes. Uh, Frank, I, I have to tell you, I was so starstruck that your a uh, publicist and your uh, your person that works with you got back to me. Um, I've been a fan of yours since two thousand one, since tape trading and the whole thing that we, we used to do before YouTube and tried eights and watching you knock out that guy in the first round. I've been a huge fan of yours and it's an honor to be speaking to you, Mr. Treg. Well thank you, I appreciate that. Actually that, uh, the guy in Pride Eight was uh Fabriata and, and actually Fabriano
2: and I are now really close friends. I see him every uh, week yes, when sir. I'm in LA um which is it's funny how the, the world kind of comes back full circle and uh yeah I got a I got a pretty awesome executive assistant that uh when I put stuff on her, she's like, Oh yeah you didn't do this. You haven't done a, you haven't done anything on that side of the coast in a while so you don't do to get this interview done so it's been uh, it's been uh, for me it's been great um, a great tour. You were actually watching stuff before pay per views. We had to wait for the v- for the VHS tape to come out and to watch it before you could
1: actually you couldn't actually see it on TV yet. Very cool, very awesome. Um, I I just wanted to know since you've been away from the cage for so long. You've been away since 2011. Um, what I what I want to know as a fan of yours and someone who's respected your work for so many years since since a child. Uh, I just wanted to know, since stepping away from the cage, what projects, of course, as an innovator, and as somebody who has been involved with the sport, especially when it went through this dark days and it went underground and then it came back up, I just wanted to know what current projects have you been working on as far as... You know, I, I've heard about your movie that you're working on right now, but what else has been uh, going on with you? I know you always contributed to sport, and you've been interviewing people, and you've been interviewing some of the growing names of UFC and everything like that. But uh, tell us what what what's been going on in the world of Frank Trigg. Well,
2: for as far as MMA is related, I've been doing a lot of interviews, obviously for MMA Outbreaker. Um, the interview upcoming fighters. You know, that they're they're getting ready to to fight here within the next you know next week or so. And we we do an interview with them and kind of check on how train camp's doing and what family life is all about and. And then though, depending on the on the Friday we sometimes get off topic quite a bit. Like uh, Darren Krueger, Sank, and I were we're sitting around talking about uh, uh, talking about guns because we're both gun fanatics. So we're talking about weaponry and, and uh, the shooting that he's doing, and he actually challenged me to a, to a handgun competition. You know, like an urban assault. You go in and you, and you clear a, clear a room, uh, and for time and for and for placement. So we got that challenge going on. It's like someone in Michigan, and we do that with Darren. And then when I was on the phone with uh, with Cheryl Sonnen we actually, like, the whole interview was talking about the world championships in wrestling, you know, just, so it just depends. And like, sometimes these interviews get way off of many topics. You guys start talking about cars and girls and all sorts of crap, so I think it's all over the place. But it's actually kind of frustrating to me as far as MA goes. And I, I believe that I'm a, I'm a pretty good commentator when it comes to color commentating and, and being in that, that spot. For those of you who don't understand at home, you have usually have two people commentating, talking about the sport. You know, like uh, if you watch UFC, it's, it's Goldberg, it's Mike Goldberg and Joe Rogan. Well, Mike Goldberg is is the play-by-play announcer and then the color commentator, Joe Rogan. Well, you know, I'm very good at, at being the, the, the color commentator in, in Joe Rogan's position, but it, it's been weird where I haven't been able to get any jobs in that, in that fashion at all and nothing at all in, in, in MMA. So what had happened is that uh, um, I basically said, well, I got to find a way to work. I got to feed my family at the, the next logical step. Obviously, especially when you've been friends with Randy Couture for 22 years, you kind of follow in his footsteps. And so I moved uh-huh. into acting and stunt work. And so that's what earlier you talked about, um, any which way to come, the, the movie that I'm getting ready to shoot. Um, we actually leave on uh, October 3rd, start filming on October 5th on our Austin, Texas. Uh, we we'll be down there for three weeks. Um, that's actually a, a pretty good project. I'll get, I get back to that here in a second. And so was, I was was I kind of felt like I was on the outs with the MMA world. I felt like that was, I was really being pushed to the side and that no one really understood my value and how much, how much I wanted to give back to my sport. The sport made me famous, and, and it did it through the dark days, and there wasn't very many people watching, and, and my fans, my haters are my haters. They're going to hate me forever, and, and they're very loyal to being haters of mine. My fans are my fans as well, and they're very loyal to being fans of mine, so I wanted to find some way to help keep, keep getting back to the sport. So I went. I took Big John McCarthy's command course, and I'm certified under Big John McCarthy to referee and judge in the sport of MMA throughout the country. Now now it's becomes a question of me getting a license within the states. I've been working with ISKA here in here in Nevada. And I've been working with CAMO, which is the California Association of um of amateur martial arts. Uh and I've been working with them as well. And then within,
1: you know, a couple of years
2: it takes you know, they want to make sure you have a lot of reps and a lot of fights in and uh, uh I'll get moved up to the state sanctioned body. Um I'm trying to get sanctioned right now in Hawaii, the Rap and Judge when I'm over in Hawaii. And when I'm down in Texas I'm gonna to talk to the commissioner when I'm in Austin about me getting licensed in in Texas as well. So really for MMA what I've been doing is the interviews I do with the fighters and then roughing and judging the amateurs as we get ready to come up and it's been it's been so exciting, it's been so much fun and it's just for me to get back, like people you know, people understand like my my intensity for wanting to you know, why people aren't hiring me to be a commentator. It's not the money involved, it's not the time on T V. It's for me to get back and explain to the folks at home. And, and the new fans we have of MMA, what is really happening in the fight? What's really going on? Some of the has actually been in there since when the rules were a little bit different, when when we could stop on guys' heads, when we could suck and kick him in the face, when we could, you know, we could we could do all these really random things that they, they've changed uh, because of fighter safety. And I have a true understanding of it. And there's and to be honest with you, there's no other real commentator out there, including Pat Melnitz, who's on Access TV, uh, who took over my position on Access TV, that understands it as well as I do. Because I'm current, correct. I'm still, I'm still training with everybody. I, I worked out with the guys from Neil Melanson, who's Dominic Cruz's uh, a coach. And we, if you watched the the UFC last night, Dominic Cruz is, is back and was amazing. And Neil Melanson is my black belt coach. He, you know, Randy has a black belt underneath him as well. And I worked out with him yesterday. And I worked out with all the guys, all the all the, the BCG guys yesterday. And like, I'm still training and and learning and teaching and trying to figure stuff out. Where a lot of these other guys are commentating either. Never fought ever in their lives in the sport, but just fans of the sport, and, and they have jobs. And the other the other group that did fight have kind of stopped really paying attention to what's going on.
1: They're, they're really not
2: learning the new spaces and the new, and the new sequences. And since so, for me,
1: MMA has been a little frustrating over the last couple of years. We did the Absolutely. And, and touching upon you being a commentator, um I remember you commentating for pride, and to be completely honest with you, you were the best commentator since Stephen Quadros to go out of that promotion i mean it, the situations, the peculiar situations you're so you're so well at explaining and breaking down to a tee the, the fighter's options, especially. From in the guard or outside the guard, or you were you're so well spoken as far as talking is concerned, and you were, in my opinion, when you were in Pride, you were one of the best commentators since Steven Quadros when he left. Um, just touching upon the fact that you were in Pride, even when and then they went underground and you fought for Pride as before, what was it like fighting? The MMA boom, it was still popular. Business was still booming in Japan and Brazil with Alec Tudo was always always, always going on. But what was it like fighting in Pride when, you know, MMA didn't really come up from underground yet, but what was it like fighting for pre, pre-soccer pre or bar? What was it like fighting for uh, when you were fighting for Pride 8 and fighting for that promotion? You know, for me, it was, it was surreal when I started working for Pride.
2: I got a phone call from a buddy of mine, Vila, who actually runs – the University of MMA now, an amateur promotion that runs out of out of California. He was actually working for Pride at the time, and he called me and said, "Hey, do you, you know, do you want to come to this fight?" I thought he I thought he wanted me to fight for them. He said, "No, we need a commentator that can cover some of our shows." Um, Boss um can't fly over as much anymore. He's trying to do more 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 video or more movies. We usually come cover a couple of the slots every year, you know, because you do it. I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to go to Tokyo all the time and, and cover these fights." And it was surreal to me because I started fighting for them, and. For me and my generation, my guys, like all the money was being made over in Japan. That's where the, that's where it was because all the fights were being held over there. The real money was over there for us. That, that's where that's the most amount of money I ever made was fighting Pride. Um, it was it was for me. That's that's how it worked out. So when I was able to commentate for him, it became like this whole really. I was on this canvas fighting with these referees and these judges calling my fight, and all of a sudden I'm in the broadcasters booth doing the exact same thing. It was amazing. I was I was a little, was, I was a little awestruck. When I when I went over there because I got to see guys like like Fedor and Krokop and Nakajira and Nakanami and and and, Takata and Fry and Coleman and Randleman all these guys fight right in front of me it was it was crazy for me to be to be doing that and then to fight him in myself it, it was it was a, it was an amazing experience and something that probably one of the highlights of my life and actually I told one of my buddies the other day that I actually kind of miss Tokyo I miss not going over I've been over there forty or forty I, I lost college here 38 times or 42 times. I can only get the number right, but I've been over 38 times or 42 times. And I, every time I go over it, it's amazing. It's like, it's that it never goes to sleep. It's always light. It's always neon. It's great. And, and, it, and also, too, I had a little bit of celebrity over there, which was which was Correct. great. It was amazing for me because a lot of people knew who I was from fighting, And even though I was doing the American broadcast, a lot of people still knew who I was. So I'd be dressed in my suit and walking up and down and running to the bathroom and running to get something to drink or something to eat in between, you know, when they have the breaks or before the shift starts, whatever. And having to sign autographs and take pictures of, of people that can't speak English and I can't speak Japanese. And it was, it was <laughs> incredible. It was an amazing time to fight over there in, in, in pride. And to be quite honest with you, I was very, very, it, it, it hurt my soul when the UFC bought pride and shut it down. I thought for sure they were going buy to buy it and let it run for another couple of years and then absorb it and have, but kind of let, let, you know, let uh, uh, the Japanese fans know. Hey, the UFC is here. We own it. We're gonna let it run. We're kind to let things go on, and, and that was gonna I thought that was just gonna happen, and when they just they had to shut it down for a lot of different reasons. It was only financial, but it was also the way that the, the Japanese uh, MMA world has actually worked. That they had to kind of they had to stop. They had to shut it down and restart themselves. And and I don't fault them for that, but it did it hurt my soul because it was like one. Let's be honest. I was I was on Fox Sports back before the new set of Fox Sports I was on Fox Sports back in the day. And cool. I'm on pay per view once a month. I'm going to Japan once a month. I'm I have a, a full time job working for these guys. I do nothing but watch fights. I go to L. A. You know, once a once a month to shoot four four shows to, of uh, uh, half hour shows with Jay Glazer and be on TV. And, and it was incredible. It was the best, one of the best times in my life, to sure.
1: Absolutely cool. And you you know what too, like. And you had such a good reputation in the in the game. You you want, you went to WFA. You won the title, and right when you came back to when you went to the UFC, you got an immediate title fight. But I gotta ask about that because I've always wondered since 2003 when you got the immediate title fight and you started to with, with the UFC because that's when the boom started happening. This is you fought Matt Hughes. You fought for the title. Got the immediate uh, immediate title fight. And then 2005, you got a title fight again, and this is when the boom was finally happening, finally in the United States. The uh, audience was finally catching on. Did you ever think in your career, because you started in 1997, I'm sure you started before that. I, I just got to know, did you ever think that the sport would get to this heights? And your, your fight, too, what I was so proud of, because I'm a little guy myself, but the welterweight fight everybody was talking about, that welterweight title fight, Matt Hughes, Frank Trigg, too. I couldn't go anywhere without hearing about it when it was happening. But did you ever think that MMA would ever reach such heights, especially as you being a pioneer and one of the guys who brought up the sport when, when it was down and out?
2: I never thought the sport would be this big. And the only person, to be honest with you, that really thought the sport was going to be this big was being a wife. And everybody else can say whatever they want to say about, why oh, I think the sport's going to be this big, and all the sort of crap. are all liars. Dana White was the only one that knew the sport was gonna be this big. And and, and you can love or hate him, you can there's a lot of fighters, especially Banali Silver right now, has got a big argument going on with Dana and how he treats his fighters and, and you know, I've been very vocal about, you know, you know, especially me, like I, I can't get tickets to the fights. So I am a kind of person on the outside. I um, part of it's my ego, I'm upset, I'm a, I'm a little bitter because I am a guy that's very loyal to coming to pays for me and, and takes care of me and I don't understand why the UFC has these other guys commenting and don't have me in it. But you have to understand, Dana White was the only one that knew that UFC, that that MMA as a whole was going to be this big as it is now, and he knows, he knows for sure that the sport's going to be bigger. We always make fun of him because he boasts and says these things, these outrageous things that you like. Oh, you know, one year we're going to run throwing a hundred fights in a year. We'll be throwing fights on multiple nights and multiple content, multiple continents in one night. You're like, oh, you're nuts! It'll never happen! It'll never happen! Well, lo and behold, you know, just just you know, six months after he said it, it started happening. But just two weeks ago, they had a fight. They had one fight in England, one fight in Australia. It was like you know back-to-back nights. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. Then they're having one in America. You know they're throwing like 52 fights a year right now, and every year it increases. You know so like they're on their way to throwing 100 fights in a year. It's it's the with the tough finale and with the tough shows. It's incredible. And, and to be honest with you. I couldn't even in my wildest of dreams, my, my biggest imagination, I never would have thought the sport would be as big as it is right now, and as big as it's, it's, And I can't even dream of how big it's going to be. My biggest goal right now is to is to be reffing on one of those cards. A lot of the guys that ref last night that that were in Las Vegas Nevada, that were refing. When Dama Cruz was out there, and and, and uh, Demetrius Johnson was fighting, and James Krause yeah. was fighting, and all these guys were out there fighting. These refs I work with on a, on a, on a, on a you know every couple of weeks I'm working with them in the amateur venture in, in Las Vegas, and they're repping the big shows. And it's now it's like okay, my dream is to, is to be on I mean, one of these big shows with these guys, and it's going to be crazy. It's going to be 94, you know, 95,000 fans watching these guys fight. It's going to be you know a million and a half people you know watching on pay per view. It's going to be three, four, five, six million people watching at home on Fox Sports. And it's going to happen in the next few years. It's incredible how fast the sport is growing. But I never. if you have, if you plan an interview, where I said I knew his sport was going to be this big. I was a liar. Like nobody knew it was going to be this big except for Dana White. He's the only one that actually had the 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 vision and the understanding of how to grow the sport, how to make the sport happen. And you you really the, the reason why the sport is this big is because Dana White just will not say no and just will not back off. He just he believed that it was going to happen and be this big, and we're all the benefit of it.
1: And you know what? You're one of the very, you're one of the elements that helped build that sport, especially the low two wing division. Yeah, you know, I can't mention any of the like Hyalto Sakurai, uh, Matt Matthews, I can't name any of those fighters in that division without naming your name. And you were part of that that element to build the sport to what it is today. But you did it all. You you, you fought in pride, you did commentary, you won the Icon championship, won the WFA championship, you fought for strike force, you fought for for all of the major promotions, UFC, name it all. But is there anything at this point that you feel you haven't accomplished or anything? If you could do it, any if you can do it again now, is there anybody that you would see in your life that you would want to fight or anything that you would want to accomplish or what what would be if you can do it all again? What would be your 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 goal or is there anything you feel that you haven't accomplished yet? Well, it's funny. I was actually talking to uh,
2: to Joe and we're doing some goal setting. But my problem is I always set these goals. They're they're astronomically out of reach. They're like they're impossible to reach. From a very little, I set a goal to be I want to be an Olympic champion. And I set that goal, and I set, and then I knew all the little steps it took to get there. But I only set the but my only vision is that is the big goal at the end. I would do all the little steps to get to that position, but I was only concerned with getting to the, to the big goal at the, at the very top of the mountain. I never made I never made the Olympics. So As a result, I was never an Olympic champion. But I I won. Okay. You know, I was on the Olympic ladder for five years in freestyle in wrestling. I pushed myself up to the top level. I was a, a little nothing under technique guy that was just had a lot of heart and a lot of guts and was just try to go as hard as he could, and I kind of put myself in that space. And I always said I wanted to be the UFC champ because that, that is the biggest promotion and was the biggest promotion when I was still fighting. It is the biggest promotion. It will be for, for 10, 15 years to come. I was a rival. And I always wanted, if I had to do it all over again, it was, it was obviously to win that second fight with Matt Hughes because most people in their life, they can't go back and look. If I turn left, I'm a millionaire. But if I turn right, I'm going to be struggling trying to figure out my next step in life. When I lost to Matt, that made me go right. It made me go to the right side. If I won that fight against Matt, the second fight, I would be a millionaire right now because I would have I would have had the confidence and the attitude and the ego that would have put me on the top and kept me in the top for five, six, seven fights in a row. I would have been a champ until GSP got into his major prime. You know, we would have had that. Uh, uh, we would have battled. I would have beaten the first time, and then. You know, he probably would have came back in the second time as a better athlete and, and beat me at that time. But At that point, there have been seven or eight title defenses. I'd be in the hunt. I would have had pay per view money. I would have I been. So I'd do it all over again. It would be to be to be that guy to be the champ. You know, one time in the UFC and reach and reach that ultimate goal of of being the top end. You know, it, it, so it, it seems like a, every major goal that's just out of reach, I always fall short of it because I forget that I did all the other little goals to get there. Like I, I you know, I, I made you know starting line up with a division one wrestling team. I made it into the into the point where people still talk about me. You know, if you are ever in the arena for a UFC fight in the very beginning at seven o'clock, right when the pay per view has got the little announcements that all the people at home are watching, there's a there's a, a movie sequence that runs on the inside and it runs uh it's a uh, um uh uh Change Race Slam by the Who is the song that they play and I can't still can't stand that song. Every time I hear it I have to change the radio station. Or or make people shut off their iPod because it drives me crazy. But in the sequence, it's always about the fighters are going to fight that night and a couple of epic battles from the last 12 months or so. Me getting me hitting Matt, knocking him down, taking his back, and putting and and, and putting, sliding that rear naked choke in, in the second time that we fought. is still it is still in that video, and then him picking me up, running me across the ring, slamming me down, and then finishing me with a rear naked choke is still in that video. So. Everybody else, Liddell, Couture, Ortiz, uh, uh, Jardine, Fletcher, like everybody else that's out there, has all been removed except for Hughes and I, and everything else is current fighters are still battling it right now. They, keep, they still keep that sequence in there because the Dana White, that's his favorite fight of all time. So when you're looking at things, you're like, wow, like, like that fight was just an epic battle, and it still lasts the test of time even now. I just wish it had been flipped over and that I had won it set loose.
1: Cool. And you know what, you you might have not won the UFC championship, but in my eyes, you're truly a legend. And in plenty of MMA fans' eyes, you are still a legend and a hero of this sport. Um, we're actually going to wrap this up, but can you tell us where your fans can actually find you, where we can actually, uh, especially where we can find all of your interviews with fighters and where what you're going to be doing next?
2: Well, on M- com. As where all my interviews are, and it's, it's called the segment is called Total Talk with Trig. It's usually a Skype interview, so it's video, uh, and it's just me chit-chatting ch- with the fighters and talking, you know, you know, from one fighter to another. I get a little more respect than most of the other fighters, than the other interviewers do. So I get I get away with a lot of stuff that uh, you know I can ask them about, you know, what, what were you thinking and stupid stuff like that, and why would you do that? Is it was just dumb? And and uh, so I get away with a lot more people, a lot more than what other interviews I get away with. I get away with that, and then if, on Twitter. Facebook, uh, Instagram, it's all at Frank Trig, it's all one word. On uh on Facebook I'm full. I apologize, I'm you know, I get yelled at every day, why don't you add me? You know, I've been a fan of yours since <laughs> two thousand and one. You're such a dick now because you won't add me. On my personal page I'm full. I'm well over five thousand. I'm like at five thousand one hundred and Facebook only allows you to have five thousand, so I'm always in that weird little glitch. But my fan page mm-hmm. uh is uh Frank Toes Trig. If you go in like that, I spend a lot of time on there answering fans. I'm going to talk back as much as I can. On Instagram, it's just at Frank Trigg. That's me. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Frank Trigg. It's me. I'm the one that answers it. I'm the one posting stuff. I'm the one. Like, if, if something is on there that gets posted and it gets deleted later, oh, because of, you know, the John Jones disease, oh, somebody else hacked my account, and I don't know what they were talking about. Like, that doesn't happen with me. It's my account. I'm the one that does it. I take full responsibility of everything that's said on there, and the views that are on there are my views and me alone. And on uh, um, Instagram, if, if you don't, like, got it there. Uh, that post pictures of, uh, of food, I post a lot of food pictures of, uh, of our kids, of uh, Joe and I out all the time running around and just having, um, you know, a Vegas lifestyle, like just having fun and enjoying life and being happy with each other, then you don't want to follow me on Instagram. So that's what we posted a lot on that. So
0: it's
2: uh, like Last night, my, my son, a 21-year-old son, it's is the first time he's been in Vegas since he turned 21, and he, he he's in town with us, and so we're like, I want to show him, like, this is what your dad does. This is the hustle your dad has to do all the time. And he's like, your hustle is horrible. Like, your hustle is going out to a club and, and meeting with a producer, and meeting with a director, and meeting with somebody, and meeting with friends, and just to be seen. Like, this is, like, how is this a hustle? Like, this is how it works in Vegas. I found cool. quite a bit. And, and uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to stop posting all your food pictures. Well, I like food. I'm a fat kid. I love food. So that's why I post them. So, but yeah, but all that stuff is me. It's all me. There's no one else talking to. And you get to an answer back. If you, if you hit me with something, I'm the one answering back. Not somebody else, not my assistant, not my publishers. It didn't get hacked. I said it. So if I tell you that, if I the F off, I'm telling you F off. If I'm telling you I want, to, I want to come to your kitchen and stab you out with a pencil, I'm telling you that. It's not somebody else. So never think that uh, – That and I talk to everybody. If you get disrespectful – I mean, if you're going to ask serious questions and get amped up, I get that. If you're going to be disrespectful to me, I just block you, and I'm going just going to talk again. But if you really want to ask the questions and really get to know me a little bit better, I absolutely answer back every fan I can as quickly as I can.
1: Correct. Absolutely. And thank you very much, Frank Trigg, for joining us. Thank you very much for talking to me. Um, again, you're a pioneer of the sport, and you're one of my heroes on a personal level. So I want to thank you so much for joining us on this show, and it's been a true honor of talking to one of the heroes of the sport. So thank you very much, Frank Trigg. Thank you so much for having me on, and I hope we get to do it again soon. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you very much, Frank that was Frank Trigg, and okay, so I, I gotta be honest, I don't I don't normally get starstruck, um, I, I, the last time I went to a UFC event, and I met Forrest Griffin, and met, like, BJ Penn, and I, I'm name-dropping, but I met all these names, but Frank Trigg, he holds a, He's he's one of the guys that I really looked at, especially as a small guy like me, because I'm, I'm a tiny guy, but looking at Frank Trigg, he was always a hero of mine, so, Talking to him was just, I'm, I'm finally starstruck. I, I got starstruck talking to Frank Trigg. He, an amazing guy. Visit all his links. Visit him on social media. If you want education on the sport? Because he did a lot of commentary too through Pride. And listening to him talk, he is so educated on the sport. It's ridiculous. And talking to him finally, finally got me. Finally got starstruck. And this is the same guy you're talking to that I met Mike Tyson and all these guys. Frank Trigg was the guy that did it for me because. I've watched him since I was a kid, but great guy, great interview, and Frank Schroeder is still contributing a lot to the sport. Um, Yeah, this was this was a great summer, talking about UFC for, for fights. Last night's card was great. I mean, my guys that I met, like John Howard and Chris Tarriasso, they didn't have a successful evening, but it was still a great night of fights. Uh, before, it was Foy Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Foy Mayweather had a, a terrific boxing bout. Um, a lot of people will complain that it was a lot of running, but they're ridiculous considering that Muhammad Ali did the same kind of strategy 30 years prior. So it was, that was a great battle. This is a great uh, – the sport is constantly evolving, and the summer proved it. And, you know, it was just a great summer, and Frank Trigg is still in the mix, still a, a part of building these sports and still – involved in building these combat sports which is I, I still appreciate and it, it's always it's always cool talking to your heroes and they live up to your expectations and Frank Trigg was no different and he was super cool. But uh next week we're gonna have um World Series of Fighting Showtime. He's gonna be on the show. We're gonna be interviewing him. Also Carrie Wynn, one of my favorite girls on the planet, she's also gonna be on, so I can't wait to talk to her. And a lot of good vibes. And I've I got to touch on something, by the way. So before we end the show, I just want to tell everybody that this summer too was, uh, it, unfortunately, Robin Williams passed away and um, due to suicide, which is a touchy subject to me because my best friend committed suicide and passed away. But, you know, that depression and suicide took center stage and everything like that. And you know, it, it broke my heart when I heard about it. And you know this this was uh, kind of kind of a touch, touchy issue for me. Kind of uh, kind of hit me the wrong way, and well, you know, it, it touched a cord. I right. who blame who can blame me? You know, so just take away one takeaway from the show. If you if you don't dig mixed martial arts, if you don't take big boxing or anything like that, one takeaway you can take from the show. But you can spread around positivity this week. You know, talk to people. You know, you never know who needs it, so talk to everybody. Spread some love around, you know. Keep keep those vibe, positive vibes going, you know. This was, this was the summer that we lost one of the biggest celebrities in the world, and due to uh, a issue that was kind of swept under the rug for so long. But, um, yeah, speaking of summer, that was a big issue, and that was a big thing that happened. So one takeaway you can take away from the show, if you don't dig MMA, if you're just listening because you like me, and I appreciate if you do, Just spread some love around, spread some positivity around, enjoy your week, you know, give a compliment too. It won't kill you. I mean, it's, you never know who needs it. So, spread some positive advice will be around next week, and I really appreciate everyone that listened in. I really appreciate Frank for joining me, and thank you very much for listening to Dream Elite Radio for the first edition. My name is David Potter, and thank you very much. It's an honor talking to everybody. Have a good night, guys. with your
0: host, David Potter. David Hurt! Mr. David Potter! David Potter! Welcome to Dream Elite Radio. With your host, David Potter. David Hurt! Mr. David Potter! David Potter! Wink, 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 I'm never gonna let you go, cause you're a keeper You're something special, been the you since I met you. And I'm never gonna let you go, and I'm, never let you go. And I'm never gonna let you go, cause you're a keeper